Welcome to room 4216. I'm so glad you've come. Reading the Bible can be difficult. Not to mention understanding it. Having a disability, whether blindness or another, can be difficult too. Sometimes a person wonders if God is even there. Yeah, but in room 4216... God shows us his path and we find... We are not alone. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Pastor Dave. How are you doing? I'm fine. I missed being here last week. Yeah, circumstances were such. Yeah, our computer crashed. Yeah. Do anything interesting uh, during the little bit of uh, longer in between? Uh, yeah. Well, always doing interesting things. Yeah. Uh, I was playing around on uh, yet another uh, iPhone app oh, boy. called HSW, or How Stuff Works, and they've got <laughs> Uh, lots of different articles and such, and uh-huh. they've also got quizzes. Quizzes? Yeah, and uh, I'm a fan of the show MASH. You oh, I like that? MASH. Oh, I like yes, 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 me too. Yeah. My favorite are the later seasons, but, but uh. the earlier seasons are good too. And uh, there's several MASH quizzes on there, uh-huh. and uh, I forget which one I was taking now, but uh, it reminded me of uh, one of my favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. The episode is called Tuttle. Tuttle. Mm-hmm. Um, that very yeah. early in season or um, in the show, it was mm-hmm. season one. Okay, mm-hmm. so Hawkeye and Trapper want to help the local orphanage to get some extra supplies, mm-hmm. and they know they can't do it on their own request. Mm-hmm. That people won't go for that. So they start, as they often do, they start scheming. Oh, they do, and. Uh, they invent this character whose name is Tuttle. Tuttle huh. was Hawkeye's childhood imaginary friend. Mm. And they start asking people for money uh, for Tuttle on behalf of his, one of his favorite causes. And, oh, well, you've heard of Captain Tuttle. Surely you've heard of Captain Tuttle. Everyone's heard of Captain Tuttle. <laughs> and, and, and first one person, then another, Henry Blake uh, and... Uh. and uh, and, yeah. and then Houlihan says something about, well, you two just dream, are just jealous because you could never be as great as Captain Tuttle is. I know Captain <laughs> Tuttle. <laughs> so uh, things spiral more and more out of control. I can imagine their schemes do get out of control. Yes, they do. Until one of the generals wants to give Tuttle a medal. Mm. Well, what are they going to do? Yeah, he's so, an imaginary guy. Mm-hmm. So they have to fake his death. Another scheme. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And in the course of the episode, it's learned that Tuttle has a bunch of back pay. Oh. So, what is his last wish? That his back pay should be donated to the local orphanage. And so, their scheme comes right in the end. Hmm. If you can call scheming right. <laughs> if scheming is right. Hmm. With all that in the background, now we turn to Ruth chapter 3, and I challenge you as you hear chapter 3, ask yourself, is Naomi just setting forth a good plan, or is she scheming? One day, Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to provide a home for you, where you will be well cared for? 
Is not Boaz with whose servant girls you have been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you are there until after he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, uncover his feet, and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So, Cecilia, what do you think? Was Naomi just setting forth a good plan, or was she scheming and manipulating? Well, on the one hand, Naomi wants Ruth to be provided for. On the other hand, Naomi doesn't like hand-to-mouth living. Mm. On the one hand, Boaz is kind and generous and compassionate. On the other hand, Boaz could take care of all their needs and wants. Mm. On the one hand, Ruth is a young, vibrant, industrious woman. She'd make a wonderful wife. On the other hand, if she didn't marry Boaz and married a young husband, a young husband could push Naomi out. Mm. On the one hand, uh, Ruth would have a house and, and all that, those good things. She could have that with either husband. But, but if she married a young husband, then the family property that had to be mortgaged would be gone unless she married someone within the clan. And on the one hand, and on the other hand, I don't know. Is she planning or is she scheming? Well, Cecilia, before I try to answer that question, let's read on a little bit more. Because quite honestly, before one can determine whether it's a scheme or a good plan, one needs all the information. All right. Then we'll pick up with verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'I am your servant Ruth,' she said. "'Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer.' "'The Lord bless you, my daughter,' he replied." This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all that you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning... If he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay it down at his feet until morning, 
but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you are wearing, and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley, and put it on her, and then he went back to town. Okay, um, hold on a minute. Sounds to me like this thing is not a good plan. It's a scheme. This thing screams of seduction. Hmm. And you say that because... Well, here she is. uh, Perfume, best clothes, sneaking uh, to him in the night, and then sneaking away before anyone can recognize her. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep. And, and that's why we had to read rest of this. But even before that, there's a couple things that we have to unpack about the culture and the day. That day in time. Mm-hmm. Before we talk about laying at her his feet, what did she say, Ruth say, to Boaz when Boaz startled from his sleep when, Hey, who's this woman on my feet? Very interesting phrase. She Mm -hmm. said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a kinsman redeemer. Two hugely important things to to, to define there. First, that spread that cloak over me. That's basically a way of saying, I want to be in the protection of your personhood. You said earlier, as we were discussing this, Mm -hmm. that it would be as though your wife at the altar said to you, spread the corner of your garment over me. People would understand that to mean, yeah, yeah. I want to be your wife. I want to be under your protection. Yeah, yeah. I liked it, that. Yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. Now, notice she didn't lie at his side. Notice that she was dressed in great clothes, not lingerie or just a loose robe that could slide off. And she was at his feet, not his side. I mean, it's one thing to roll over and go, hello, who are you next to me? Versus, what are you doing on my feet? By the way, I think that's why um, Naomi suggested uncovering his feet was, I don't know about you, but there's many times I'm sleeping at night and a foot will stick out or kick off the Mm -hmm. blanket and what happens? Well, you get cold. Yeah, and it wakes you up. And that's exactly, I, it's just a simple thing. It, it woke him up. So he's reaching down to put the blanket back over his feet. Oh, who are you, lady? <laughs> and, and she simply says, Ruth, your servant. And then she says, I want to be covered under your protection. And then the next important thing. What did she say? Since you are a kinsman redeemer. Since you are a kinsman redeemer. Now what does that mean? Yeah. Can- This goes back to their concept and understanding of land. Land for everybody was within families. So um, I'm trying to give an example. We, we, We buy and sell houses so quickly, we think nothing of it. But out east, sometimes houses are handed from person to person, and in Europe especially, it stays in the family, generation after generation after generation. 
once in a while and uh, there can be a hiccup that somebody has to mortgage it well there was a uh, um, now I'm jumping back to, to Boaz and Ruth's time mm-hmm. called the um, uh, Oh, help me. What's that called every 50 years? Oh, the Jubilee. The, the Jubilee, Jubilee, right. So if people mortgage it, it would go back to those clans people, and they would reestablish it. But we don't know how far it was from the year right. Jubilee. Right, exactly. So a kinsman redeemer. Now, she mortgaged the, the, the land. She and, being Naomi. Naomi and her husband for food, more than likely, because remember, she, they both left there because of the famine. And it wasn't enough, so then uh, uh, they went to another country. So there was a mortgage over that land. Now, here's another interesting thing I found out. I didn't even realize this. Their culture very much was like the American Indian culture. You don't own land. What you own are the rights to harvest what's grown on the land. The right to own the land is part of that jubilee. It stays within the family. And so when the land was mortgaged, someone else then had the rights to to harvest that land. So to mortgage it back, being the kinsman redeemer. Redeem literally means to buy back. Mm. Years ago, when I was growing up, I remember my mom uh, having these stamps. What are they called? Uh, green stamps, stamps and trading stamps mm-hmm. and eagle stamps. And oh, when the yeah. book was full, then you could redeem the book for something on the list. And if you had two books or three books, you could redeem it for yeah. more. My housemate said that uh, his parents got some things for uh for their wedding, yeah. they, some bakeware and things like that. Exactly. Exactly. Camps. And once in a while, you even hear if, if someone wins the lottery, you redeem the ticket for the money. It's a chain exchange of the item for the cash. And so the redeemer kinsman means it's a relative who has the privilege to buy back the use of the land. And so Ruth was going to him. Notice also he said, you didn't go to a young man. You didn't go to somebody else. You came to me, somebody who can buy back that land. See, no one else could. No one else could. Only a family member could redeem the land. Hmm, I don't know. All of you who were voting for that Naomi was scheming, uh, I think, my friends, it's looking more and more as though it's a plan, not a scheme. Yeah. Add to it this. Naomi, when she suggested this, she knew that Ruth was a very virtuous person. Everybody knew it. She was an honorable, upright, good person. She, didn't, she wasn't a sleazy person who did whatever to get food. Mm-hmm. She worked hard, but she did not um, uh, uh, cut the corners, as they say, just to get something. Secondly, everybody knew that Boaz was a righteous man, a good man. You could even see it in the blessings he gave as he greeted people. He was mm-hmm. a very righteous man. Yeah, so, in chapter 3, he said, mm-hmm. or in chapter 2, uh, he greeted his workers with, uh, the Lord be with you. And, exactly. and they cheerfully answered back, and the Lord bless you. Yeah. And so Naomi was banking on the fact that these were two very righteous people who would do the proper thing, even though they might not be in the most convenient or proper situation. And I would like to suggest that's the difference between a well-laid plan and a scheme. I'd like to suggest that Naomi made a good plan. She put things in motion so that things might be in place, but 
She didn't know the ending, nor did she try to make the ending, but just trusted the ending would come. A scheme, on the other hand, thinking back to Hawkeye and MASH, (laughs) is you contrive situations to get to your advantage, and you're willing to let the end justify the means, and you'll do whatever so that it will benefit you. idea. Yeah? There is a story in Genesis that takes place in a similar setting several generations before Ruth and Boaz. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh I think I know the story. Mm-hmm. But before you read it, we gotta be aware of one important item, or the story doesn't make sense. In that culture, in that day, as weird as it sounds to us, um, all things came through the suns. Right. Uh, land, name, property, everything. So if there was a husband and a wife and the husband died, she would have nothing. Even if she was the wealthiest person as a couple, when he died, she had nothing. And so the brother of the guy who just died was supposed to make sure that she'd have a son by him through her. Tamar was the daughter-in-law of Judah, Her husband had died, but Judah had failed to do his duty by Tamar by providing her with a husband who would then provide a son. When Tamar was told, Your father-in-law is on his way to Timnah to shear his sheep. She took off her widow's clothes, covered herself with a veil to disguise herself, and then sat down at the entrance to Enaim, which is on the road to Timnah, for she saw that though Shelah was now grown up. She had not been given to him as his wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute, for she had covered her face. Not realizing that she was his daughter-in-law, he went over to her by the roadside and said, Come now, let me sleep with you. And what will you give me to sleep with you? She asked, I'll send you a young goat from my flock, he said. And will you give me something as a pledge until you send it? She asked. He said, What pledge should I give you? Your seal and its cord and the staff in your hand, she answered. So he gave them to her and slept with her, and she became pregnant by him. After she had left, she took off her veil and put on her widow's clothes again. Meanwhile, Judah sent the young goat by his friend, the Adullamite, in order to get his pledge back from the woman, but he did not find her. He asked the men who lived there, Where is the shrine prostitute who sits beside the road at Enaim? There hasn't been any shrine prostitute here, they said. So he went back to Judah and said, I didn't find her. Then Judah said, Let her keep what she has, or we will become the laughingstock. After all, I did send this goat about three months later, 
Judah was told, Your daughter-in-law, Tamar, is guilty of prostitution, and as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, Bring her out, and have her burned to death. As she was being brought out, she sent a message to her father-in-law. I am pregnant by the man who owns these, she said. And she added, See if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Judah recognized them and said, She is more righteous than I, since I wouldn't give her to my son, Shelah. And he did not sleep with her again. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. Um, Pastor Dave? Yeah. Um, we had a problem here. It's after five o'clock, and, uh, my paratransit's about to arrive. Ooh. You know how picky they can be. Yeah. Well, then, uh, hang on, listeners, as Cecilia heads on out. Ah, it's good to be home. Well, here we are at uh, my house now instead of Pastor Dave's study. So you may hear some different sounds in the background, but we'll just wait and uh, Pastor Dave should be calling at any moment. That's got to be Pastor Dave. Hello, Pastor Dave. Hi, Cecilia. You made it home safe and sound? I did, yeah. Good. Any interesting conversations on the paratransit? No, I played solitaire. No, you played I did. You like solitaire. I do, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad we're back connected up. Thank you, listeners, for being patient with us as we do some slightly different things. Well, after hearing that reading of Tamar and Judah, she, she was mad. She was upset because she felt that he... Uh, jilted her, didn't give her what she was due, and so she was um, plain dirty and used the end to justify the means. She obviously, too, must have known what his morals were like. Otherwise, she wouldn't have thought of that scheme. Uh, How many people do you know who would just take a chance that uh, somebody would want to sleep with a prostitute and dress like one, and wow, it came true. This, do remember, is um, uh, uh, Boaz's great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. So, five... generations back. How many? Seven. Wow. Yep, seven generations back. He probably knew this story. And so, um, I don't know whether Boaz, as uh, he... Uh, was surprised by Ruth at his feet, thought about Judah, but certainly there is a great comparison and a difference between somebody who was uh, virtuous, both of them, Boaz and and uh, 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 Ruth, mm-hmm. versus Tamar and Judah, who were not 
And that, I think, is the real difference between a good, godly plan and what I'm going to say, a scheme. I'm using that word in the, in the worst sense, that there's manipulation to get what you want. You know what I think of when I think of a scheme? We're, let's, we're talking about, I'm, uh, we were talking about games a minute ago. And uh, one game that we love to play around here with my housemates and with me, and and we keep threatening to bring you in on it, is Monopoly. Oh. And I I played Monopoly years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Monopoly, the idea is to get one person over a barrel so that you've got something that they desperately need, and. Uh, so that you can get something from them that you want. And so whether I have an, a real interest in uh, one of the uh, green properties, for instance, that's North Carolina and those, maybe I'll buy it because I know that you have the other two green properties, but you also have two properties that I need. Well, you can't do anything with those properties un- unless I sell you the other one. So that's a scheme, isn't it? Um, you bring in the game Monopoly, and in some ways, uh, this is how people do run business, is, is rather unethically. I'll get what I want when I want it. The end justifies and, the means again. Correct. Now, in, in Monopoly, the game is almost set up that you have to play that way. It, it's hard to play it and in, in, in not uh, be friendly Look at the game instead of Monopoly, the game of life. Mm. And that game of life, which is a, another board game and where you cer- do certain things, it's not pitting you against others so that you can gain an advantage. And this is really what part of this whole chapter demonstrates to us in our daily life. Um Naomi was a virtuous woman, as it it reflects. She set things in motion, trusting on people's virtues and not putting them over a barrel that they have to comply. That would be manipulating. Mm -hmm. She just helped get uh, Boaz and Ruth in in a quiet spot together so that Ruth can say, be my kinsman redeemer. And Boaz realized both he could have been compromised, he could have been uh, misused or manipulated, but he saw, and that's why he said, you, this is more kind than the first, meaning the uh, his, his uh, Ruth's generosity in coming with Naomi and being her caretaker. And so Boaz is acknowledging, again, Ruth's kindness. Mm-hmm. This is a challenge for us in our everyday life. Are we going to play Monopoly? Are we going to play life? And I would bet, oh, I can tell what's going through your mind, Cecilia. Okay. It's hard as a person who's blind when people just hurry and scurry on by, and, and sometimes you got to step in their way and make life miserable so they pay attention. Sometimes we've all been guilty of it. I know I have been. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and, and we all are guilty of manipulation. Think about all it. All of us. Because we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. We all have sinned. Think about it. Have you ever, uh, well, here's one I've done. 
uh, someone's driving me home from a meeting or whatever. Would you mind if we just stopped at the grocery store? I just need a couple of things. Oh, ah, uh, darn, I remembered. I need a couple of more things. <laughs> when I help set up outreach centers for the volunteers, I, I would say, beware of this and say, and they'll really get you because they'll say, I have no more toilet paper. I need toilet paper. And, and if you say, I can't, you're going to say, what? Should I just sit with poopy pants then? I mean, that's manipulation. Yes, it is. Worst. Yes, we all have done things like that. The real question, though, is, is this a good and godly thing? Mm. You see, Ruth went along with Naomi, and she didn't expect a husband. She didn't expect food. She kind of expected to die with Naomi in this foreign country with foreign people who probably laughed and spit at her and thought all bad things about her. Mm-hmm. But she did it out of a devotion and service. That's what makes Ruth so good. And that's the example of what we can and should live up to as Christians, that we follow Jesus out of devotion, doing the right things, not to get our end... Not to get what we want. Not to get what we want, but to do it because... It's the right thing to do. Okay, I'm feeling the prick of a guilty conscience here. Uh, And I have no doubt uh, some of our listeners and friends are feeling the same thing. What about those times when I do mess up? I don't want to do it, but I do it anyway. I manipulate. First up that comes to mind is uh, a well-known figure in the Bible who was with Jesus in the garden and uh, who brandished a sword and cut off a servant's ear and uh, thought he would be bold and help Jesus, and Jesus said, no, put away the sword. Ah. Peter probably thought, hold it, I'm here to defend you, Jesus, and you're wanting to wimp out on me? And he ran. And then later he realized, especially after Jesus rose from the dead, that he didn't need Peter's sword. Uh, he, did the, he did the death on the cross and was willing to do this for a reason. Jesus came to him and said, Feed my sheep. Yeah. Feed my lamb. Like we talked Feed about, sheep. like we talked about in uh, the, the uh, other podcast a few weeks ago. Indeed. Jesus does forgive us. And he embraces us and continues to use us and helps us now in a better response. And I will say, rather than going on with a better response right now, if you out there are struggling with uh, manipulation and plan or something, write us. And and we can talk more about it, or maybe we'll have another podcast if we hear enough about this. But um, do write us. And what is that email address? The email address is info, I-N- F-O at not-alone, N-O-T-A-L-O-N-E dot net. Info at not-alone dot net. As I was heading home, Pastor Dave read the last three verses of Ruth chapter 3. When Ruth came home to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked her, How did it go, my daughter? Then 
She told her everything Boaz had done for her, and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Do not go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Oh, really? Why not? Mm, no, because what did Naomi tell Ruth to do? Uh, well, she told her to to wait. Yeah. I don't like waiting. I want to get things done right now. Wait a minute, I'm you? And, oh, yeah. Come on, let's go. we got a, a schedule to go on, and, and waiting is the mm. last thing I like to oh, I get say. It's so frustrated when things don't go... Uh, according to plan, <laughs> I don't like waiting. I have to wait, but I don't like waiting. I know. I know how you feel. Yeah, it is very, you do feel very out of control. I know that's the way very, I feel. Very. And you know, God never said waiting would be easy. Um, but one thing he does assure us of is what Peter talked about. The same Peter who was, uh, he had his own plans, his own schemes, same Peter that denied Jesus, the same one that, that was told, take care of my lambs. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. Mm, he cares for you. Peter would know something about casting, being a fisherman. Yeah. That, that is a word from fishing, and, and it literally means to throw overboard. And that's what we're supposed to do with our cares, our worries, our threats, when we have to wait. And I guess, you know, that's what Naomi was trying to tell Ruth. Let's just wait on the Lord, because the Lord ultimately is the one who works things out. <sighs> okay. I'll wait. Well, you know... The other thing, as we wait, as we wait for the next podcast, as we wait for comments from our listeners and friends, as we wait for the hard things in life, we can always remember, we, we are, are not, not alone. Credits, the theme song from MASH, and our interlude musicians, Terry Nord and Robert Vaughn.